0: Hey y'all, welcome to Best Virginia, the podcast where we talk about the fascinating history, culture, and folklore of the wild and wonderful state of West Virginia. Welcome back, Best Virginians. Today I have a short and sweet but very interesting topic for you. Today, we're going to talk about the Lake Shawnee Amusement Park. Lake Shawnee is known as West Virginia's haunted amusement park. But before we get into all of that, I'd like to invite you to follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at Best Virginia Podcast. Also, just a reminder, if you or someone you know would like to be on the show or would like for me to cover a specific topic, please reach out to me at BestVirginiaPodcast at gmail.com. Alright y'all, so Lake Shawnee Amusement Park is located in Princeton, West Virginia, down in Mercer County. The park has a dark past, is built on a Native American burial ground, and has been the scene of multiple violent deaths and freak accidents. Lake Shawnee's restless past originates in the 18th century. During the late 1700s, Mercer County's first white settler, Mitchell Clay, brought his young family out west. They established an 800-acre farm and raised 14 children. The land that he and his family called home was taken from a local band of Shawnee Native Americans. In August 1783, while Mitchell was out hunting, a group of 11 Shawnee tribe members stormed his family's home and attacked his children. During the attack, his youngest son Bartley was shot dead, and one of his daughters, Tabitha, was stabbed to death. The children were scalped, and the tribe fled the property with a third child, Ezekiel, who was later burned at the stake. Mrs. Clay took the rest of her children to a neighboring farm six miles away, when Mitchell returned home, he found the bodies of his children. Clay rounded up a group of other local settlers, tracking down and killing several members of the tribe. The property drew little attention until the 1920s, when a local entrepreneur named Conley T. Snidow purchased the property with plans to build a large scale attraction. The amusement park was opened in 1926 to offer entertainment for the families of local coal miners. It included circular swings, a ferris wheel, a water slide, a dance hall, cabins, a racetrack, and a speakeasy, as well as a pond and a swimming hole, complete with canoes, which would later be added. It didn't take long for tragedy to strike again on the old clay property. During the amusement park's brief history of 40 years, a total of six visitors died. All were believed to be children. In the early 1950s, two young boys drowned at the park, one in the lake and the other in the swimming pond. In 1966, The park was permanently closed after a young girl in a pink ruffled dress was on the swing ride when a truck delivering drinks accidentally backed into the ride's path, striking her, leading to her death. After its closure, the park was abandoned and the attractions began to be taken by rust and undergrowth. Nearly 20 years later, in 1985, a former employee of the amusement park, Gaylord White, began eyeing the property in hopes to reopen the park. When White bought the property... The rides had been sold off, but he decided that the swings and a Ferris wheel were necessary for the reopening. White brought in a Ferris wheel and tracked down a set of swings for sale in New Jersey. The swings were loaded up and brought back to Lake Shawnee. When they ran the serial numbers, they discovered that the swings were the exact same set that was there before, meaning it was the same one on which the little girl in the pink ruffled dress lost her life. White also brought in some smaller kiddie rides, paddle boats, bumper cars, bumper boats, and a stage for entertainment. The park was briefly reopened in 1987, and on the 4th of July weekend that year, the Whites had bands playing 24 hours a day. After three years, skyrocketing insurance rates forced the Whites to close the amusement park. They began holding fishing tournaments and other events to keep the property active. While working on a tract of land for mud bogging in the early 90's, construction crews made a startling discovery. They unearthed Native American artifacts and human skeletal remains belonging to 13 children. It turned out that the amusement park was positioned on top of an ancient burial ground, containing as many as 3,000 corpses. A team of archaeologists from Marshall University came to investigate the findings, which were later determined to have been there long before the settlers began moving west. It is believed that the bodies had been placed there after dying from disease to protect the rest of the tribe. People began to wonder whether the Clay family had been cursed by the negative energy surrounding the burial ground. White decided not to tempt fate and left the amusement park and its foundation alone. In an interview with the Travel Channel, Mr. White's son, Gay, said that he can still hear the wooden swings creak, though it may not be the wind that pushes them. He said that sometimes a seat will start to move underneath your hand until you feel cold air blowing through the seat, and when you get to the middle, you feel something warm, and we believe that's her spirit. He also told a story of his father's claim to have seen the little girl in the pink ruffled dress covered in blood. He said, Dad was on the tractor mowing the field, and he kept feeling a weight on his shoulders. He didn't know what it was, so one day he felt the weight, and he turned around, and the little girl from the swings was there. She was in a ruffled dress, and she just appeared. He wasn't scared, but the only thing he could think of was, Well, if you like this tractor so much, I'm going to give it to you. So he got off of it and left it sitting there. It's still sitting where he left it in the late 90s. The abandoned amusement park has attracted ghost hunters and paranormal experts for years. In fact, Lake Shawnee was ranked as one of the travel channel's most terrifying places in America. ABC went as far as to name the property as one of the 10 most haunted places in the world. While touring the property, visitors have claimed to hear footsteps, mysterious chants, and children. Sometimes one of the swings will move on its own. On one occasion, a visitor got locked in an old ticket booth although the doors did not properly lock. The lady went into such a panic that she had to be taken to the hospital afterwards. Lake Shawnee is on private property, but still offers paranormal tours throughout the year. The owners are said to be pretty accommodating when tours are requested. If you are interested in touring the property, please be sure to contact the owners before doing so, since it is private property. I hope you all are enjoying this episode of Best Virginia. I just wanted to take a second to tell you guys about some of the great merch I offer. If you go to teespring.com, that's T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G.com, and search for Best Virginia Podcast, you can find Best Virginia t-shirts, hoodies, crew neck sweatshirts, COVID-19 face masks, and coffee mugs, as well as other things that I'll be adding in the meantime. Now, back to the show. Each year in October, the property plays host to the Dark Carnival. You arrive at dusk to visit the park and listen to creepy stories told by others who have had their share of experiences there. This tradition began in the 90s. Today, the property is owned by Mr. White's wife, Jewel. With the deaths of both her husband and her oldest son, Jewel White said she wasn't sure how she would continue to run Lake Shawnee, so she called upon her other children for assistance. Today, she and Chris, along with other volunteers, take care of the property, give tours, answer calls, and take care of the website. In 2014, Lake Shawnee's Halloween activities underwent a bit of a change as they shifted from Campfire Tales and Tour to the Dark Carnival Lake Nightmare, haunted attraction that went around the lake, swings, and ferris wheel. Since then, the Dark Carnival and Lake Nightmare have continued, but they've been confined to a certain area of the lake. The Campfire History and Self-Guided Tour has been reinstated, allowing visitors to walk around the swings in the Ferris wheel area, and visit the grave of the Clay children, taking pictures as they wish. Jewel said that she was worried that her husband and eldest son might not be happy with the changes that she had made, as they were opposed to changing anything about the Halloween campfire week. One day, an image captured inside a bus where her son used to work seemed to prove to her that he was there and was okay with it. Security video of a Ferris wheel safety bar unfastening in the middle of the night while no one was around showed her that her husband was there as well. She said that he was very particular about the Ferris wheel. He was always worried about the lock, so to me, this was him, and he said it was okay. It makes me happy, she said, watching the video with tears in her eyes. I'm just so glad to know that they're here, even though I already knew that myself. I have this so I can prove to others. The Lake Shawnee Amusement Park is yet another prime example of the rich history we have here in West Virginia. In case you all haven't picked up yet, I'm a huge fan of Spooky Season, which is right around the corner. So I'm taking every opportunity I can to look into the dark history of West Virginia. And this topic really stuck out to me because of all the history going back to the 1700s when the Native Americans occupied the area. If you're as big a fan of horror movies as I am, you know that it's grade school that you do not build anything on an Indian burial ground. There always seems to be bad juju around stuff like that. Now, I tried to look into the deaths of the other children. I know it told me the total of six, and I only gave you guys info on three, but that's all I could find. Going back so far in some of these small towns, you can only find pretty limited information on things. And it's only really been in the last, like, 20 or so years that Lake Shawnee Amusement Park has become such a big tourist destination. So to me, it kind of makes sense that some of those parts of the history would have been left out. But that story about Joel White's husband, that gave me chills. I don't know about you all, but the fact that there were two separate occasions that seemed to say that her husband and her son were both okay with the changes that she had made lent a lot of credibility to the situation. Now, I haven't been able to find a whole lot of information at this point on any changes that they've had to make due to COVID-19. If you're interested in checking out the Dark Carnival this year, keep an eye on their social media sites. The family seems to do a really great job in keeping everyone updated. So I know this episode was super short compared to some of the last few, but this episode was really fun for me, and I hope it was for you guys too. I have a lot of really big things coming up that I think you guys are going to love, and that's where a lot of my energy has had to go lately, so I hope you guys will appreciate that. But I want to make sure I'm still giving you guys some fun stuff to listen to in the meantime. If you're just a casual listener, or if this is your first time tuning in, I'd like to encourage you to go check out some of my previous episodes. There's a little bit of something for everyone. If you're a fan of spooky stuff, history, or entertainment, I have something for you. So please keep listening. I can't do this without you guys. I'm Jordan, and this has been another episode of Best Virginia. Thanks for listening.